0: Hello everybody and welcome to the fantasy scouts podcast episode number 16 coming at you on Wednesday, June 16th. I am your host Chad Workman joined by Sam Ehrman and Matt nine today we are going to talk about some of our hopeful slash potential breakouts guys that we like uh, in certain situations that we could see a breakout happening for this season uh remember as you're listening to this episode please head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts uh subscribe to our content lots of great stuff uh that we're putting out daily and we're gonna talk about some of our i guess players that we've written profiles on in the past on today's episode some guys we really like hopeful and potential breakouts let's get into the show Today, that I know we've written about before, some guys that we're excited about, excited to see what they do, Uh, a few second year receivers that we're going to start off with. Sam, why don't you tell us about uh, one of your potential breakout players for this upcoming season?
1: All right. So, um, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I talk about him a lot, and um, that's Brian Edwards. Um, So, it was year two, um, year one didn't go well, but when you look at the factors, I mean, the injury and everything. But the thing I want to talk about is I want to backtrack with Brian Edwards. I want to, like, kind of repaint the picture of who this guy is. Um, we're talking about a guy who signed to South Carolina and literally day one was a starter wide receiver. He, he was 17 years old at the time. Like He literally had to have his parents give him permission to go play college football. Like, you have to have a permission slip if you're 17 years old to play college football. He played in 48 career games. He caught a pass in 48 career games. He was drafted in the third round. He fell because he broke his foot. That's not, you know, can't hang that too on him too much. Um, He was so good in camp last year. He was the week one starter, and that was with no offseason, no OTAs, uh, makeshift training camp, and was starting. So here's where the meat of everything gets really interesting. You're talking about a guy who's 6'3", 2'12", and he's put on weight this offseason. He looks good. He looks really good. Um, but last year's number one wide receiver is gone. And I hate the vacated target argument, um, but 24% of Derek Carr's p- past attempts, or over 120, are gone. That's a lot of opportunity just sitting there. And the, the there's an old saying that, media people use is the nfl only tells you the truth two times a year in the draft and in free agency um in free agency the the raiders did go out and replace nelson Aguilar with a lesser version of nelson Aguilar, john brown 32 year old often hurt john brown um and don't get me wrong like john brown's a very good football player um but he's aging um you know, and he's kind of more there to be that, that veteran leadership role, and he's going to play. I mean, he'll definitely get some of those targets. But um, the more thing is they didn't draft anybody. So you're looking at Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, and a 32-year-old John Brown as the starting wide receivers. Um, this seems pretty clear to me on who you'd want, the big-bodied um, possession wide receiver. Um and the, he was hurt last year obviously the inj- injury kind of slowed him down but the thing i want to talk about is the other day i was going back and i was watching the last two games of the raiders season and i believe chad you might remember better than me but i think the raiders played miami and denver um but I'm not, I, I know one was Denver because he caught that touchdown in the end zone. But right. I don't remember who who was the second team that they played in the two week span, the last two weeks of the year, because I want to talk about that. They played Miami. That was okay. Was so watching. it was Miami.
2: That, yeah. Cause, cause Gaskin
1: beat him at, at the, at the
2: end there. And then I don't remember who the other okay. one was.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was Denver, Miami. But I was watching and, Um, I was watching the tape of those games the other day, and I found it very, very interesting to see that that was close enough to when Brian Edwards was probably 100%, if not close to it. Um, He's always open, but that's not the thing is he was double bracketed Uh, Miami double bracketed my Denver double bracketed this guy like they were worried like they know this kid can play and they kind of let Henry Ruggs one on one. And then it was Nelson Aguilar on the other side and they were. Shadow coverage, Brian Edwards, the entire game. Both teams did that, and I thought that was really interesting. I was like, "Why are you, like, you know, like you don't typically double bracket somebody unless you're worried about them?" And he still beat up um, Denver a little bit, um, but the, so teams are taking notice. And from er- from the early offseason OTA reports, um, you know, like I said, he's bulked up, but it, they're buzzing. Um, all reports out of Las Vegas says he looks good. He, he's, you know he, you can see like there was a clip i saw and i put on twitter um where brian edwards was walking next to all the rest of the raiders wide receivers and like one of those guys clearly did not belong because he stuck out against sore thumb and you're talking about brian edwards i mean he's so much bigger stronger than everybody in that room and there's so much opportunity like that's why i don't think people are understanding is with you know year two and having the offseason and everything the wheels up i mean like the opportunity's there. It's right in front of him. And you got to bet on the talent for him to go take it. So I'm all about Brian Edwards in 2021. And if it doesn't happen this year, it won't happen ever. Um, but I really, really think with all the signs and where everything's pointing, it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, so he's going as wide receiver 65 right now, which is pretty incredible when you consider the hype that he was getting last year heading into the season uh so i want to do some kind of would you rathers with our guys as we go through this list so let's start here uh sam i'm going to throw you a tough one ironically these players are going as wide receiver 65 and then wide receiver 66 is amari rogers so which one would you rather have if you were on the clock in, in a dynasty startup and you're staring at brian edwards or amari rogers
1: um yikes that's a that's like that's not fair like that is tough like those yeah. are my two guys um and i've been looking at this on the show sheet all week and i still don't know um i was
0: i was excited when, <laughs> i was excited when i saw they were going right next to each other because i knew this would. Dude, be-
1: i don't know i i i don't know like i genuinely i like I don't have an answer. I don't know.
0: Like
2: you flip the quarter, I, best two out of three.
0: I think for yeah. me, I liked Edwards as a prospect more than I liked Amari Rogers personally. So I probably lean Edwards uh at this point, but obviously with Aaron I think situation putting, that's it's that's tricky right now.
1: I think putting like thoughts and emotions and everything aside, I would go Edwards. <laughs> And I say that because, you know, he's got the the upside and the, the profile to be, you know, um, in alpha. And there's a small chance, but there's a chance where Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders week one. Um, and if that happens, would I rather have the guy who the previous quarterback compared to. OK, so this is it's getting complicated, but th- here with me for a second. Would I rather have the new younger wide receiver who the previous quarterback Derek Carr compared to his college wide receiver who was the the new quarterback's NFL star wide receiver? You guys with me on that, or did I? Yep. You Devon, get what I'm yeah. saying, though. Like. Yeah, he comped, um, yes, Derek Carr comped him to Devontae Adams. So it would be really ironic, in my opinion, if, you know, Aaron Rodgers comes in and gets this new player who's supposed to be Devontae Adams. Um, But, you know, it's hard to make those comps, but I think of those two, I'd go Brian Edwards and hope on, you know, the potential of being the guy and, you know, having the size, uh, because size matters to me. So
0: um <laughs> that's what she said that right. is what she said wow let's just uh uh real quick i'd, I'd like to Matt. i'd like to
2: throw that out throw this out there uh oh my god as, as far as value to the organization on that particular comparison that you have there brian edwards round three pick 81 Amari rogers round three pick 85 Wow. So they're viewed basically this in the same light to the respective organization. That's
0: that's interesting. That's a good point. Yeah. So what do, where do you land, Matt?
1: I, I should know how to pick them, don't I? Dang.
0: Between those two they, guys, <laughs> I would probably lean
2: Amari Rogers because I trust Matt Lafleur a lot more than I do John
0: Gruden. Okay. Yeah. Fair.
1: Well, it'd be great if you know, you pick Amari Rogers and he hits because the quarterback who I'll later talk about hits. So, right.
0: Yeah. How about here's a guy I know you like Matt and Nico Collins. Are you taking Edwards or Collins? No, I'm, I'm definitely going to go to Nico oh. Collins here. And I, I think
2: they're actually in similar situations. You know, when you look at the, the team, you know, uh, Sam just said it, Edwards is the big guy rugs is your, your deep threat, you know, your quick slant, smaller speed guy. And then, you know, Nico for the Texans is your big guy. And then you got across him him, Brandon Cooks. So I like Nico. Uh, the quarterback situation is definitely not as good as, as the Raiders will have this year. But I think looking long-term for dynasty, um, I like Nico, the player, the physical profile a mm-hmm. lot better.
0: And how about you, Sam? Are you taking Edwards well, I guess better? I,
1: I, yeah, I, I would. I disagree, but like, I like Nico Collins. Like, don't get me wrong, but as, as a personal preference, flavor, I guess I would take um, Brian Edwards. Um, I like his film a little bit better, um, and he has the better analytical profile. Um, Nico Collins just happens to be bigger, faster, and stronger, um, which I mean definitely matters. Um, but you know,
0: I thought you just said that size matters. Why wouldn't you want the bigger, faster, yeah, it does. The stronger guy? Like, it's a situation... Well, but because, like, uh, you know, it's talent. not all about,
1: you know, size. I mean, it's not all about size and speed. Like, I mean, like... It
0: matters Chad, you've got to
1: stop looking at me.
0: It, 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 it Yeah, uh,
1: and you know, there's other things. <laughs> and the tape and, you know... And I do... The analytics do matter to me. Like, But, like, I, I don't live and die by them. I mean, like, if I was picking between, you know, two running backs so I've got graded out the exact same, I would take the guy with the... Like the better analytical profile, um, and that's how I've always done it. So with those two guys, I would take Edwards, but I mean, like, I'd absolutely like to take a sweet eco too.
2: Yeah. The title I, of this episode is going to be called "The Size Matter."
0: <laughs> That'll be enticing. Listeners right. will be clicking and ready to listen to that. Um, I think I'll I think I'll lean Edwards there, but that's a close one. How about uh, one of my favorites that I. I really like Paris Campbell or Brian Edwards.
1: Yeah, give me Brian Edwards. Uh, I like Paris Campbell, and I hope he can stay healthy. But I've seen two years of it, and you know, like I'm not going to bet on health on him. And the, you know, I'd rather have the bigger, faster, stronger guy in Indianapolis named Michael Pittman. So
2: yeah, I think, okay, he's not
1: faster. But.
2: I think I'll, I'll take the. The darts throw with Edwards on Campbell. And it's, that's again, like Sam said, not because Campbell's a bad football player, but we've seen seven games in two years out of Campbell. Like at some point, you got to draw the line in the sand.
0: Yeah. So, teaser, I thought about putting Campbell down as one of my guys for this episode. But really, all there is to say, like he's a good player when he's on the field, but if he's not healthy, it doesn't matter. So, I think he, I think Campbell could have a breakout season. I probably lean him just because I really like the dude. But It's obviously a huge question mark if he can even stay on the field. So, um,
2: Hold on. I'm looking something up real quick.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, Oh, of course it doesn't have it. Yeah, I would like to point out that Michael Pittman is actually faster than Brian Edwards. Just
0: clear that up. Okay. Thanks for that tidbit. Yep. Uh, Perfect segue to your um, potential hopeful breakout matt why don't you uh why don't you tell us about your guy yeah i am
2: all over michael pittman
0: jr at cost above
2: cost below cost the side of the cost all the cost i think he is about to explode in 2021 and then in parentheses next to that assuming carson wentz can get his shit together in parentheses so Last year when we first, you know, Sam and I first got together, we, you know, we started the fantasy scouts doing our writing and stuff like that. You know, we, we were doing some digging and we came across a a quote. I don't know if it was necessarily leaked from the organization, but it was in regards to Deontay Johnson, how uh, even though Deontay was drafted in the third round by Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers had a first round grade on him. So in a theoretical sense, you know, if worse came to worse, they wouldn't have had a problem taking him in the first. So how does that relate to Michael Pittman? Well, I did some digging and it turns out that Frank Reich in the pre-draft process last year only had one wide receiver graded higher on their board than Michael Pittman. And that was C.D. Lamb. Obviously, C.D. Lamb, what'd you go? 16, 17, somewhere in that range to Dallas. And then right at the top of the second round, the Colts took Michael Pittman Jr. And I want to read this quote. Uh, real quick from Reich. Uh, he said, we wanted a big body. We wanted a guy who's physically tough, not just a big body, who would do the dirty work, who would block, who's really good at the contested catches, the 50-50 balls, and going downfield. He just showed up, he just showed all of that on tape. And then it goes on a little bit further down where the the GM, uh, or excuse me, the owner, Jim Irsay, uh, would, would talk about um, how, in the beginning of February, when, when the head coaches and stuff like that really started to dig a little bit deeper on these guys that they were looking at, Frank Reich literally pounded the table. There's a quote here it says, literally pounded the table for two months to get Michael Pittman. Frank Reich is in love with Michael Pittman Jr., and that is massive. We know as a background story, though, that the Colts are a very smart organization. You know, we've talked about this on several pods before. Sam has pointed this out. They have a very good staff, very good owner, very good front office. They don't make stupid decisions. They don't waste draft picks. They spend their money wisely. They always have money available. Okay, so then we're going to go into Michael Pittman's first round, or excuse me, rookie year last year. Uh, he did miss a handful of games with the calf injury, got that cleared up. He, he got on the field late. Um, but this is interesting. So, even though he got on the field late and only played in a handful of games, Michael Pittman led the league last year in yards after catch per reception with at a minimum of 50 targets at 7.3 yards. So, how that correlates, which was interesting, uh, is that uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception, uh, Pittman had a 91.5 success rate on the slant routes and the dig route combos. Uh, so, if you get the ball to him quickly, according to how he finished, he would at least get you another seven yards on average after he touched the ball. And we know slant routes could be anywhere between two to six yards down the field. And then you cut inside. What was interesting is that they didn't utilize his skills downfield a lot. So his route tree year one was relatively limited. So going into year two, you would, you would have to assume that they're working on that. So, this is for one of the – I'm writing an article on, on Pittman that, that I'm going to put out here hopefully sooner rather than later. But over the past three years, the Colts have had three different quarterbacks, Andrew Luck, jo- Jacoby Brissett, and Phillip Rivers. So I went and I broke their pass attempts down for 20 yards or further downfield. Uh, Luck um, was three years ago. That would have been 20, the year 2018. That was Frank Wright's first year, yeah. Luck threw 75 balls 20 yards down as a minimum 25 yards downfield. And now we're going to come over to Wentz, who's the new quarterback. I took his 2019 stats because I'm throwing last year out the window. Wentz threw 74 balls downfield in 2019 between Brissette and Rivers. They didn't even throw more than 60 in those two years. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me? Yep. So, so the the offensive scheme that the Colts are running the past two years with Brissette and Rivers is not the same scheme that he ran with Andrew Luck because the skill of the quarterback was not as good. And we do know that Wentz loves to push the ball down the field. So going into this year, what am I expecting? I'm expecting an expanded route tree for Michael Pittman Jr. I am expecting that Wentz pushes the ball down the field to get him more opportunities for the big play as opposed to just the slants and stuff like that so to summarize all of this michael pittman in my opinion is the wide receiver one for the colts today um i if you want to say ty is still the wide receiver one for the colts i'm not going to argue that but i think over the past few years we have seen his play decline some he's obviously getting a little bit older Um, and and he has, I've seen a quote before he has taken over that mentorship role of, you know, the next Colts wide receiver. So week one this year, we do know the Colts will start Michael Pittman at the X. And I believe if it's not by week one, it's going to be really, really soon that he takes over as the true alpha for this team. As I mentioned, to start with for a head coach who believes that he was the second best wide receiver in the draft last year. They didn't add anybody in the offseason. They didn't trade for anybody. They didn't draft anybody. They believe in Michael Pittman Jr. And you should too.
0: Yeah, I do believe they want him to be the wide receiver one there. Um, in terms of, of dynasty startup drafts, he's going as wide receiver 40, which is pretty late. He's, he's going after Rondell Moore, which is wild to me. But he's going just before Terrace Marshall, a guy that we've talked about before on this podcast a little bit. Uh, so I guess we'll start with you, Matt, but MPJ or Terrace Marshall? I think he's going to smash
2: that ADP of 40. Like, I honestly think he finishes in the top 24 this year. Like wholeheartedly. Yeah, believe I that think that's way too low. So I, am definitely taking MPJ here, especially because I, if I'm Sam, you're going to have to correct me on this. I don't, Terrace Marshall hasn't even taken a step on the field yet.
0: And also. Um, no, he,
1: well, he, hold on. he's been hurt, but, um, yeah, he's back now, but okay um regardless yeah nothing exciting so far seems like they're kind of easing him back in from the whatever the injury was
0: that's fair so I threw some I threw some names down that were going right around him but since he's going very late let's just would you rather have Terrace Marshall Tyler Boyd Elijah Moore are there any of those guys that you'd rather have than Pittman either of you
1: maybe elijah but yeah he's, he's the Pittman only one that
0: most. gives me a thought a second thought is elijah Moore, but i'd probably still go Pittman.
1: but even then i would probably just follow my method of taking the better profile and i think that would be pitman for me
2: i would take pitman over all those guys because you know it when you look for your at least guys with potential for your top 12 you know dynasty wide receiver studs you know is Elijah Moore that guy do we ever think he's gonna consistently finish in the top 12 does he have that profile and I don't know if he does and then when you look at Michael Pittman you got a guy that's what 212 ish pounds you know runs a runs a low four four uh and he's your just your typical alpha x wide receiver and there really is no competition so
0: I agree. Uh, let's look up the draft board a little more, just to make it a little more interesting. How about Cooper Cup going as wide receiver thirty-three? That's probably a bit closer. I think I'd still take Pittman
2: because okay. in the mindset of a dynasty startup, I I would take the guy again that profiles as the X that's younger in this case, much younger that doesn't have the ACL injuries.
0: Okay. I wonder. So I wonder how far up we have to go this draft board here to. To find somebody, how about like a Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Galladay, Claypool. Claypool's going as wide receiver twenty-five. I have to definitely prefer Claypool. Okay, so
2: so based on those names you you named, I would probably feel comfortable taking Pittman in that
0: twenty-six to thirty range. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. You think, Sam? Yeah, I would would
1: probably probably, take all
0: those. I wouldn't feel
2: comfortable with him as your wide receiver one, but I think he's a solid
0: wide receiver two. Yeah, I think that's fair. Either way, him going as wide receiver 40 is, is kind of criminal. Um, he should be probably up closer to 30 at least. But, um, yeah, so I think we all like Michael Pittman a bit. He's I, I do think the Colts want him to be their, their number one. You guys got any last thoughts on Pittman before we move on?
1: No, sir. All but right, let's
0: been. go ahead to one of my guys here is LaVisca Chenault, second-year player for the Jacksonville Jaguars, one of our favorites around here. Um, There's a number of reasons I like Visca. I will admit I wavered a little bit after the ETN pick because we had uh, Urban Meyer saying he wanted Kadarius Toney. He wants to use ETN kind of in that uh, receiver-like, maybe slot receiver, jet sweeps, a lot of uh, kind of Percy Harvin type of role which I felt could put a dent in Chenault's value. But the more I've thought about it, I don't believe that's the case. LaViska is a guy who, who can win on the outside. He's a guy who, let me just give you some numbers here. He was second among rookies in passer rating when targeted last year. Uh, he led the league in wide receiver, uh missed tackle rate at 28.9%. He led rookie wide receivers in contested catches and contested catch rate. And Part of the reason, well, there, there's a lot of quotes from this coaching staff coming out so far already this early on um, in, in in camp here. Daryl Bevel has made it clear that he wanted to see the development of LaVisca Chenal as a pure wide receiver this offseason. That's a quote from Sports Illustrated, John Shipley. He wants to see Visco win on the outside, which he is doing. Um, Bevel also said, Another quote from him. He's a big, strong physical player and a guy that really needs the ball in his hands. So that's the first thing that you've got to figure out. How do we give it to him and what does it look like? There are easy, simple ways that you can kind of hand him and get it to him, but there's also routes and things. So that's where I wanted to progress to and see what he was able to do as a wide receiver. And I really like it. So they wanted him to show that he can be a pure wide receiver and win on the outside they will i mean you can see it in the quote here he, he mentions handing him the ball so it's not out of the question that they use visca you know wildcat handing him the ball maybe some jet sweeps and stuff but they also want to allow him to win on the outside as a a pure wide receiver again um you know there there's just so many quotes i could go through on visca but i think he really fits he really checks all the boxes of a breakout receiver he's he has the draft capital he has the college production he has the profile um he's go he's a second or third year wide receiver which is usually you know those breakout years he's in an offense with an up and coming young potentially elite quarterback and he's in an offense where there's not necessarily a firmly established number one. I know DJ shark is there, but he, he's really had one good year. I don't think shark has been as good as a lot of people think. So there's kind of a window there. I think for Visca to take over that number one role, plus shark is going to be a free agent next season. And if LaVisca can step up this year, as I think he will, there's a very good chance that they let shark walk, who is, going to be one of the better wide receivers on the market next year and has a chance to get paid probably more than Jacksonville is willing to pay him. I think Visca could be this team's number one wide receiver heading into next season. So with that in mind, some names that he's going around here. The first one, ironically, we just brought up Cooper cup is going as wide receiver 33 Visca going as wide receiver 32. I'm taking Visca in this scenario. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think um, – I'm, I'm with you there. I'm going this go over Cup for sure.
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think Cooper Cup is by far the better player, um, and I think he could have a way better year this year. Like, Cooper Cup will absolutely outscore LaVisca this year, but um, especially if Matt Stafford lights up the NFL, like a lot of people are thinking. Um, I think if you're playing long-term – Visca, but i think if you're building like a two-year ely superstar window then it's cooper
0: cup yeah i think that's fair i mean i think stafford is going to boost the value of both cup and robert woods so i'm definitely trying to acquire those guys in the short term um but yeah long term I'm, I'm taking Visca. how about debo samuel who's going as wide receiver 34 just after those guys i i think again same i'm, I'm sticking with Visca. yep Visca again for yeah
1: me. give me Visca. well i mean it in a fairy tale land, if we can know Debo Samuel would play all 17 games, then maybe – but you'll get him for probably about nine.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, what about – Tyler Lockett is going as wide receiver 36. I Again, I'm sticking with Visca. Give me Visca.
1: Um, while I do think um, Tyler Lockett will have another good fantasy year, um, I think – People are just tired of getting burned by
0: him. How about let's do another one here. DJ Shark is going as wide receiver 29. Again, Visca is 32. I have had Visca ranked higher than DJ Shark in my dynasty rankings, which is maybe a hot take, but what do you guys think?
1: I've done that for months. I'd get, I would take okay. Lavisco. Okay. I think yeah. people forget that LaVisca profiles as an alpha superstar wide receiver. He just happens to have dreadlocks and is fast as shit. I mean, the guy is six foot two, 220 pounds. I mean, yeah, he profile.
0: That's profiled. a really good point. I think there has been a misconception that he's this gadget player, but he he, he absolutely, I mean, his, well, I just mentioned this before we jumped on his player profile or comparison is AJ Brown. So, I mean, that tells you a lot. Not that you just want to go off that, but that, that gives you some idea.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely with you. I would take Visca over Lockett as well as shark. And I've also had Visca ranked, I think maybe almost 10 spots higher than shark in my dynasty rankings. Okay. Yeah. But what I think one of the things that's interesting too, is that, you know, urban Meyer is that coach, you know, a lot of these college coaches that have never coached NFL before, you know, they come into the league, they get their guy, like, this is my ex. And then they force feed the hell out of them. Like, it doesn't even matter. It just doesn't matter really what the scheme is. It's like, yeah, I'm going to throw to a couple of other guys one time, but it's like, you know, I think viscous floor
0: is, is very high. Yeah. I would agree with that. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. So it seems like we're all pretty much on the same page here with visca. Uh, let's move on to a very interesting name. Who's been in the headlines a little bit, Sam, why don't you tell us about your, your next guy here?
1: Okay, so we're doing hopeful breakouts here. And this one's more of a hopeful breakout. I mean, and if you pay attention to football and even the slightest, you'll know the drama going on up in Green Bay. Um, the hopeful breakout here is Jordan Love. And I—I I, do I know if he can play? No, I don't know. I mean, here's what I do know. Like, here's what I know about Jordan Love. He's got a big arm. He's a really good athlete he can make all the throws. I mean, he's stupid raw. His footwork was horrible. Um, but guys like him and I've paid a lot of attention to green Bay's, um, OTAs and stuff like that. And the players are raving about him. Like if, if, if Jordan love couldn't play, they would be more like hesitant. And they seem to be like, okay, like, yeah, this guy can play. Like, um, you got Devonte Adams going, Oh, this guy's got it. I can see it. You know, um, it, <laughs> You know, you don't want to read into the tea leaves too much, but it kind of seems like the way he handled. like, sometimes, and, and maybe this is just me, I had never seen, we, up until like this week, we had never seen a Jordan Love press conference, we didn't know how he handled himself, he handled himself like he's gonna be there a long time, like, I don't like, there's sometimes you can just watch an interview and be like, okay, this guy gets it, like, he, from a perspective of what the teammates say, how he works, and the way he carried himself for the press conference, you know, he checks all the boxes. People forget he was a consensus first-round pick. To be fair, he dropped in the draft, and he shouldn't have. It was who took him and why, which is all the issue. Jordan Love was an absolutely a first-round draft pick. It was probably more of like a 15 to 20 pick, but he fell all the way to, you know, it was 26. um he shouldn't have fallen that far. I mean, the in a vacuum, the Packers made a good pick. It was just all the crap behind it. Um, but here's what I know moving forward. If Jordan Love plays, um, well, okay, so there's two worlds. Aaron Rodgers comes back and Jordan Love sits and continues to play. And from everything that I've seen out of Green Bay and all the beat reporters is Jordan Love is not going anywhere. Like he is not. Even if Aaron Rodgers comes back and they give him an extension, they're hellbound keeping Jordan Love. Um, So he'll sit or World 2 happens. Either Jordan Love starts week one and – he's either really, really bad or really, really good. And you have no idea. I mean, you have no idea until the live bullets start flying whether or not this kid's going to be a star. And if he is, like, here's the thing, is his floor is like he'll be out of the league in two years. I mean, like, that's absolutely in the realm of possibility. But his ceiling, and this is where I've got to be careful, is when he was coming out, of the draft, his comp was Patrick Mahomes. And I don't, I don't want to say he would be Patrick Mahomes because that's not fair. I mean, but if he hits, Jordan Love's ceiling is the highest of all of the quarterbacks who've come out in 2020 and 2021. Like, think about that. His ceiling, if this kid can play, if this kid can play, his ceiling is by far the highest of the class. He literally is potentially a baby Mahomes 2.0 if he can play. If you're playing the odds in the realm of possibilities, the odds are that's not going to happen. The odds are he will be a bust and, you know, oh, you should have kept Rodgers, you idiots. You had a Hall of Famer in his prime who just won a Super Bowl at Denver. Like, But if Jordan Love can play, I mean, he's sad and he learned, he, you know, He's developed. He's worked on all the things you need to. The teammates love him. You hit a grand slam. Like you only get one or two of these lottery tickets with this amount of upside every few years. Um, And if this kid can play, I mean, it could really change the dynamic of the NFL. Like that's what this kid's ceiling is, and you don't need to know his floor because I mean, we all know it. I mean. We don't know if the kid can play. I mean, he can flat out stink. If he comes out week one, and I think they play the Saints. So if he comes out week one in New Orleans and throws for 135 yards and four interceptions, completes 43% of his passes, you're going to know. Like, you're, you are going to know really quick with Jordan Love if he can play. I like, think that's the thing is you'll know by week four if this kid can play. And you better be ready because if he can – that price will be so astronomically expensive that you'll never be able to afford him again. And that's where we're at with Jordan Love. Is that's why I'm hopeful is because he has the chance to change the, the NFL, like make the Packers competitive without Aaron Rodgers. I, that like I don't know if he can. And this is me just, you know, maybe just. Wishing upon a star, um, but when you put the analysis together and and, and, under, and and understand, you know that his first round draft pick, big arm, played very competent. Players love him. Great confidence. I mean, he handles himself well. You know, there's nothing bad. like Even Aaron Rodgers has nothing bad to say about Jordan Love. So you're betting on all that, and if he hits, I mean, like congratulations. If he doesn't, I mean, move on. Like. I got him in a league in my home main dynasty league where I created a three-way trade where I literally only gave up a 3.10 for Jordan love and a two QB dynasty league. Like I really manipulated the market there. So if, if, if he hits, I mean like I'll be more than ecstatic, but if he can't like, it doesn't cost me much. Like I don't think last year, like you don't have a lot invested into Jordan love. Um, I can't imagine you're going around buying him for multiple firsts or you wasted a first round pick on him last year. Like if you wasted a first round pick last year and the rookie draft is on Keyshawn Vaughn, not Jordan Love, like you were hoping to get Jordan Love in the second or third round. So you don't, you typically don't have a lot invested in him. And especially when the reports are, Oh, you know, he can't play yada, yada, yada. Oh, he, he got intercepted or, you know, he's, he, he couldn't complete a two minute drill. Like, he, you know odds are like you don't have a lot invested in him and if he hits I mean you could be looking at like a Josh Allen value spike with this kid and that can change a complete dynasty rebuild that can change I mean like that's how powerful like his upside could be but you also have to understand that there's a chance where he's out of the league in two years so you're really just hoping on him
0: yeah, I think, admittedly, I was one of the few who liked the pick when the Packers made it just because you can never have too much uh, invested in quarterback, and I think he has the arm talent. But I think it's key what you said as far as what it costs to get him. The upside is tremendous versus the cost. He's going as QB 32 right now, even with all of this going on. And so, I mean, even that is is super late. So I want to give you some names that he's going around Jared Goff going as QB thirty. Who would you guys rather rather take in a startup right now?
2: That's so tough. Well, I guess I, for I feel me, like it's dependent on who have I already drafted. You know, like where, yeah, that's exactly where am, what I was I, say. where am I standing in the draft thus far? I mean, like in a vacuum, like Sam said, I'd rather take the upside of, of love.
0: Yeah, that's that's tough with quarterback because it does depend on where the rest of your roster is at. But I think. Yeah, in a vacuum, I'd I'd probably lean love with his upside and where, you know, got with golf being in Detroit now.
1: I'm really curious to see Goff go in Detroit because all reports are out of Detroit is like he's fucking pissed, like he he like that was personal for him. Like I don't know if you guys watched the Rich Eisen interview with him the other day. Um, but he's pissed. Like he's absolutely like. I really would like to see Jared Goff go out to Detroit and just light it up. Like, I think it'd be really cool. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it'll be pretty bad. Um, But, you know, I could be wrong. I mean, like, I like their coach. Um, You know, they've got a few good weapons. I mean, maybe Quintus, (laughs) Cephas becomes a star. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see Jared Goff, but I think it'll be a train wreck, but you never really know, but.
0: Yeah, I I thought about talking about Quintus Cephas today, but I figure we've had enough of that. No, he's he's a super long shot, anyways. Um, How about Drew Locke is going before Jordan Love at QB thirty one? I I I think I would take Love, you know, even as a Broncos fan. What do you guys? Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm taking Love, and um, I'll tell you why. And and I'm I've paid a lot of attention to Broncos camp too, and Teddy seems to have a pretty Good vice grip on that job like drew lock had a really good day today and lit it up but it seems like teddy's being like the thing about teddy's he doesn't make mistakes like he's not fun to watch but he does not make a lot of mistakes um i'm just nervous about drew lock um
0: i just think for for me as a broncos fan i think it makes more sense to Start lock, and then if he does, if he's clear he doesn't progress in the first few games, then you go to Teddy because you know what Teddy is. If they start Teddy from the jump, there's almost no chance they bench him and go to lock because, again, you pretty much know what you're going to get from Teddy at this point.
1: Well, and here's the other thing you have to think about is in Dynasty, you have to project forward. And if you're projecting forward and assuming that Aaron Rodgers is with all the information we have, if you're assuming Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay, where is he going to go? He's got really two landing spots. You got a 50 50 shot on him just tanking Drew Love or I mean, Drew Locke. You know, and Jordan Love's value right now is kind of more so baked that he can't play and he's a backup. So, you know, the minute Aaron Rodgers is traded, I mean, Jordan Love's value takes a huge spike, even if he can't play. And there's no realm of possibility for that to happen in Drew Locke. Because if you take Drew Locke and he uh, reports are, you know, that Teddy is beating him out and then they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Congratulations. You have a third string quarterback. Good luck with that.
0: Yeah, I think. In terms of just the odds, I think the odds are better that Jordan Love is a starting quarterback like a year from today than than Drew Locke is in the NFL. I would I would think.
1: Well, Jordan Love's going to play at some point. It right. we don't know when. And we don't know if he can play.
0: Go ahead, Matt. What do you what do you got?
2: I was just gonna say I I would take love over Locke as well for that exact point. Like, you know, we know love's gonna start and Locke. <laughs> might be on the way out we don't know that for certain but you know with this mindset of a dynasty startup like you're drafting somebody who will play versus a guy who we're not sure how much longer he'll play
0: I think this last comp is a little or would you rather I should say is a a little more interesting it probably also depends on your roster construction what about Jameis Winston or Jordan Love because we know Winston has a lot of upside Mm. but both of them are like guys that could hit and have a ton of upside. Both guys could be out of the league or, or at least not starters within you know another year or two. I think I'm going to be a little bit different here and I'm actually going to say
2: love again. And here's why, uh, whether you want to believe it or not, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are in a QB battle. And there is a chance that Taysom starts week one there is a chance that both of them play every single week hurting each other's value. And again, we circle back to, we know love is going to play like that. That's just, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. You know, like, like Sam alluded to, you know, the price of love versus the potential ceiling outcome, or even just 80% of that ceiling or just 75% of that ceiling. That's a huge win for you if, if he's on your squad. Whether you want to keep him or, or flip him for profit, so uh, for me, when when Sam you know talks of lottery tickets of this high of value, if that pay what that payoff is, I'm I'm going to take that more often than not.
1: Um, I I I, I was going to take Jordan Love as well, um, for some of the same reasons, but James Winston's upside is astronomical as well. But um, the nerve wracking part is it early reports of new orleans is that Taysom was leading and that's not what you want to hear if you're if you've held on to james winston the past two years um you know for a fantasy purpose michael thomas was still elite with Taysom hill started and then um alvin Kamara will be fine i don't think he'll have over 100 targets but I think it will be fine. He's good enough. Sean Payton's not stupid, but I don't want to talk about the Saints. But it, it just doesn't seem like there, – there's a chance that, you know, James Winston never plays. Um, and there's a chance that – and Jordan Love will play. We don't know when. And for some of the same reasons Mastod, I'll take uh, Jordan Love as well.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. I, I If if I knew Jameis was the start, like if Taysom Hill was not on the Saints roster, I would probably – take Jameis or if he was in another situation and like a good offense but the fact that I do think Taysom Hill is going to get significant run this year whether he's the starter or just kind of trying to rotate in Sean Payton seems set on using him in a variety of ways which could definitely hurt Jameis's value even if he is the starter so I would tend to agree there uh let's go ahead and move on to Matt's second uh hopeful breakout who do you got for us Matt
2: so my second guy, uh, I'm kind of coming on to the idea that Dallas Goddard might actually lead the Eagles in, t- in targets this year. And I know that's kind of crazy to think about, but Dallas Goddard in uh, 2018 had 46 targets, 2019 86 targets. And last year playing on the 11 games, we know he had the ankle issue. He had 64 targets. So he, through three years, he's had 196 targets. And that's as the backup behind Zach Ertz. So now we do know that Zacherts will not be on the team this year, whether it's via trade or he's cut. And from what I'm gathering about what this new look offense is going to look like for the Eagles, uh, Sirianni, when he was with Frank Reich last year, used multiple tight end sets on 29% of their offensive plays last year. Uh, from my understanding, Sirianni is not going to implement two tight end sets nearly as often in this new Eagles offense. It's going to be more wide receiver based with one tight end. And that one tight end is Dallas Goddard. And we can believe that because Dallas Goddard is Richard Rodgers. Like that's his backup. And that's that's a quality backup, I guess. But he's clearly a backup. It's not like you're excited about Richard Rodgers being a tight end one or being used in two tight end sets. So I think our three main guys here – are going to be Devonte is your X, uh, Rager is going to be your your Z. You know, move around, might play some Y, and then Goddard is going to be your tight end who also lines up in the slot. Now, what is interesting about Goddard compared to the other two wide receivers is he is by far the biggest. He is the most physical player that they have pass pass catching weapon, uh, and he's going to be an absolute red zone nightmare deployed properly. Now over the past three years that Sirianni has been in a a coaching position to where he has a significant input onto who's playing, what the scheme kind of runs like and feels like that. Um, The tight ends that he's coached in 2018 tight ends under him finished as uh, with the PPR rank of, they were number two. In 2019, they were 11 and in 2020 last year, which we saw with, the combination of Doyle, Burton, Mo'Ally Cox—all this nonsense—they they finished combined as as one tight end twelve. Uh, so, in his three years of, of coaching significance, he's produced in theory a tight end one every single year, and he did that actually in 2018 with Jack Doyle as the tight end two. Uh, and who who were the receivers? It was T.Y. and who was the other one? It was I think it was just Zach Pascal. So I think in a vacuum we would say Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager are probably a better duo, right? And right. I would say that Goddard is a much better tight end than Jack Doyle. Um, so that, that's just kind of where I'm at. I, I, think, I think Goddard is a lock for 100 targets. Um, according to Player Profiler, uh, the Eagles were fourth last year on pass plays uh, per game, uh, attempts per game. Uh, at 41. I don't think that number comes down much, if any. I still truly believe the Eagles are going to be a very pass-friendly, pass-heavy offense to at least start the year, depending on kind of, you know, what it looks like. Um, I think Miles Sanders is going to get a ton of targets. I think uh, Kenny Gainwell is going to get a ton of targets. Uh, And then all these wide receivers are going to get a ton of targets. You know, this is about getting the ball out quickly and in space with the occasional you know, deep shot. And that's kind of, you know, the opposite of what we saw last year. Uh, We saw Peterson with a lot of deep shots and that, that really wasn't helping the offense because as we know, those are obviously the more harder uh, completions to, or attempts to complete. So I like the Eagles to be very pass friendly. Uh, I like Goddard to see a hundred targets and I like him to be the main beneficiary in the red zone. Uh, so, and he's also your, your over the middle uh, field like it because Devontae Smith should draw a lot of uh, attention from the secondary. And then if you got Rager, you know, you, you he breaks loose on one screen, maybe two screens or, or quick slants in a game, you know, gets two catches for 30 yards on something like that. Then you got Dallas Goddard just sitting, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. And his average depth of target last year was the biggest it was in his career at 9.1 yards uh, per target. So, He is more of a downfield threat than he is an actual blocker. So I like Dallas Goddard to finally break out into that. He's in that kind of floating around, maybe in that one B tier, you know, of tight ends, maybe in tier two. I like him to take, to elevate to that next tier uh, of tight ends. And we all know he's super athletic. Like this guy is a freak athlete. And if I'm not mistaken, he's only 26 years old. So I feel very comfortable with him as my tight end one. And he could be your tight end one for the next six, seven years.
0: Yeah. I think it's actually interesting. You mentioned kind of being in tier two, but it seems like, I mean, he's going as tight end eight behind Noah Fant, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, kind of in that tier two, but he, I feel like he doesn't get mentioned enough as a tight end that that is, is in that tier with Hawkinson, Andrews and Fant. And that could potentially knock down the door of, you know, kind of being in that tier one, more elite guys. It seems like his name just doesn't come up as much in that second tier. But also, have we heard anything on Zach Ertz? I mean, I, I know we don't expect him to be back, but I haven't heard anything lately.
2: Last I heard was that they were trying to trade him. Uh, they didn't. There, I guess there's been some movement lately. I think the Bills are back in the discussion. I'm not entirely sure, but I would expect him to get traded for, at best, the fourth-round pick, but I think it'll be much later than that. And then one other thing I want to bring up real quick uh the targets rank for tight ends under Sirianni uh in 2018 uh his what his scheme I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this uh his tight ends room saw the third most targets in the league in 2019 they saw the sixth and last year they saw the 15th and receiving touchdowns in 2018 they, they were first in 2019 they were ninth and in 2020 they were 13th so What's the difference between 18 and 19 was that you had one guy, Jack Doyle, and in 2020 it was this weird three tight end committee approach. So now if we circle back to, like I said, to the one tight end and Goddard, when they're not going to run multiple two tight end sets, there's no reason that he doesn't finish top five in basically every tight end statistical category from targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, so I mentioned he's going as tight end eight. Um, going as tight end nine behind him is Irv Smith Jr., a guy that's been getting a lot of hype. How do you – who 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 do you prefer there, Matt? I would say Goddard over Irv Smith for sure. Sam, do you agree?
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do want to point out that – like I like a lot of what Matt said, and I do agree that, you know, go get Dallas Goddard, but uh, – there's a pretty large drop off, in my opinion, from Andrew Luck to Jalen Hurts, even if Jalen Hurts is really good. I, I mean, like, I don't think people will remember, like, how good Andrew Luck was. Like, his last year. like he, So, yeah, you I mean, know, Andrew Luck could have a lot to do with some of that success.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that. Like, I'm not comparing quarterbacks, but, you know, the way that the yeah. offense funneled then, you know, when you look at it, it's like, even if you have a bad quarterback – those targets are still going to that player or that position so
0: yeah I think it's clearly Goddard in this scenario but I want to throw another name at you Matt because I know this guy is one of your favorites but how about Noah Fant who are you taking between those two I'm taking Noah Fant I figured that was the case and how about you Sam
1: I don't know probably like if you're chasing volume you go with Goddard, but if you're chasing upside, you go Fant.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I usually chase volume at tight end. So I'm probably going to go Goddard. Uh, I think he's probably the safer play, but obviously we know Fant is capable of, of being much more uh, than what he's even shown thus far. So, and then I wanted to throw uh, Mark Andrews on this list. He's going as tight end six and he's always kind of been the, that fringe guy between tier one and tier two. So he kind of represents that gray area. Uh, who do you guys got there between Goddard and uh, Mark Andrews? Goddard. Goddard.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say Goddard as well.
0: Yeah, me, me as well. I I'm I think it's time that Goddard, Hawkinson, and potentially even Fant break through and, and pass up Andrews. Uh, this season so I feel like that's that's the trio of tight ends That's like the next
2: like Kittle Waller um and Kelsey like once like it's those three and then those three you just named Goddard Fant and and Andrew or Hawkinson so mm-hmm. it's like you know they'll elevate they'll push themselves up in that tier when those guys kind of fade out or even join them here sooner than later
0: right and then obviously Pitts in the mix as well yeah, but Pitts I do agree there, with sure. that yeah um okay I'm going to throw my last uh, uh, potential or hopeful breakout out there. Another tight end. This guy is certainly down a few tiers. This is more of a two tight end league and not a guy that I see being, you know, like a Goddard or Hawkinson that could potentially reach that, that elite tier, but I'm going with OJ Howard. And the reason for that is because for one, his value has gotten so low. He's going as tight end 27, but He, I mean, people forget he was outproducing Gronk by a wide margin in the first few weeks before he went down last year. Now, granted, I know Gronk was just coming back after a year off, but still, I mean, the first four weeks, OJ had 146 yards and two touchdowns compared to Gronk's 88 yards and zero touchdowns. Um, I mean, he was targeted, let's see, 19 times in those four games Uh, so he was very involved Brady was looking his way I remember just watching it and being like wow like Brady and OJ Howard are building this connection how is Gronk even going to fit into this offense and then obviously OJ went down and and Gronk kind of his role grew as the season went on but I'm not so sure that OJ Howard I mean obviously he's the younger uh, you know better athlete at this point but Gronk is dealt with injuries. He's he's starting to get up there in age. He's only coming back for a year. Um, and then even OJ Howard is going to be a free agent after this year. But I think at tight end, going as tight end 27, I think he has a chance to, to even get up as like a high high-end tight end two and be the better player this year, as opposed to Gronk. Uh, what do you guys think? I'm gonna throw some some more comparisons or who would you rather guys at you? Austin Hooper is going as tight end 23. So a few rounds ahead of OJ Howard, but I thought that was an interesting name. OJ Howard at tight end 27, Austin Hooper at tight end 23. Who would you guys rather have?
1: I'm going to go ahead and Austin Hooper. I wouldn't wouldn't be happy.
2: (laughs) How about you, Matt? Uh, I'm going to take O.J. Howard in all three of the scenarios you're about to talk about, because one, we know how big he is, how athletic and physical he is. He's very fast for for someone his size. Uh, he's got great hands. Uh, he's middle of the pack blocker, I'd say, maybe slightly above average. But I think the thing of note here is that he's a free agent next year. Somebody, and that'll make him almost two years removed from his Achilles injury. Somebody is going to sign him, and somebody's going to use him as their tight end one. So when, yeah. when I'm looking at this, like I understand O. J. Howard is not gonna provide a ton of value in twenty twenty one just because Gronk and mm-hmm. A B and Godwin and Evans and, and Darden and whoever else, Tyler Johnson, all these other guys that are there, but moving into twenty twenty two, I think he could enter re enter that top twelve discussion.
0: Yeah, I think him and Njoku both, I just got them in, both in a startup in a two tight end league. They are my tight ends four and five. But even if you can get one of them as like your tight end three, especially OJ, I th- like I said, I think he can be like a firm art, uh, tight end two this year. So I think he's great as your, say, tight yeah. end three in a two tight end league. And then next year, he's a free agent and potentially, I mean, and he might even go back to Tampa with Gronk gone and, and AB gone. Who knows? But I think like you said, I mean, he's 6'6", 251, runs a 4'5", 140. He was drafted at 19th overall. The guy is a really special in, talent. In he's still only 25, 26? He's, he's 26, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got – if he can I mean, bounce back from his injury, he's easily got, like, another six, seven years of, like, elite production if he's there. For sure. And we've seen tight ends – I mean, we've seen 30-year-old tight end breakouts. I mean, it, it takes some tight ends – some time to get their footing in the NFL. And, and so it wouldn't be unheard of for him to break out at age 26. Um, I, I know you said you'll yeah, take Yeah, you go ahead, Sam.
1: That'd be really unheard of, especially um, we already know, and people know this all the time, that uh, Achilles injuries are career enders for running backs. And I believe Kyle did an article a while back talking about Achilles injuries and tight ends. And uh, man, if you're really expecting him to um, break the odds, I guess, of being the guy who comes back from an Achilles tear when he's never been healthy before, he's missed, like, I mean, he's never played 16 games. He's missed uh, 2, 8, 2, 15. I mean, like, I'm not. That's, I get he's big, strong, fast, but I. I don't want him on my team. I mean, like, the odds of him hitting this late in his career are very slim. Even if he goes somewhere else, it'd be a one-year deal. Prove it. He won't prove it because he'll get hurt. And then, he, I mean, you're st- like he's just not a guy I want to roster. Like, I'm more than fine if O.J. Howard turns his career and his health around after a massive injury. I mean, like, I trust me, like, I liked him coming out, but I, that's not a, a bridge I want to be stuck on when it's going down again, personally. His
2: article was on ACL tears, not Achilles tears. And the difference oh, okay, between yeah. a tight end and a running back when it comes to Achilles is that the explosion factor that you need as a running back from, you know, zero to 60 is much greater than, you know, taking your first two steps off the line as a tight end. Like, again, like two years next, it'll be next fall or next offseason. It's almost two years removed from that. Like, I think he'll be fine.
0: And I think also when you talk but about his he,
2: injury
1: list it's just it it's not just the Achilles injury, it's always some sort of injury. He's never on the field. And he's gonna be 26, 27. That's I mean, like the age is fine, the profile is great, but like I just don't wanna bank on a guy who can never stay healthy. Even in college, he dealt with injuries. So like here we are coming off a major Achilles injury and like i don't know it's just not my like this is not like i'm not i don't know i i would prefer some of those guys over
0: oj howard he's played 14 games twice and like i get that that's not a full season but when you're like in the tight end two landscape how many of those guys are like consistently reliable i think oj howard is going to be as or more reliable than some of the other guys he's being drafted around so are you telling? So the other names I have listed here are Jared Cook and Adam Troutman. What what I guess? What order do you want those guys in, Sam? Um,
1: I would take the shot, Adam Troutman, and then if I needed one year, if somebody playing tight end, I would take Jared Cook, and then OJ Howard. Like I I know Jared Cook is seventy five years old, but he's going to outproduce OJ Howard this year. Um, He'll probably have more startable weeks. And then you can drop him when he retires, probably. And then you can pick up O.J. Howard from waivers. And then if Adam Trotman hits, I mean, congratulations. Because, I mean, like, he – oh, Adam Trotman is exciting. He's interesting. Will he hit? Probably not. But if he does, I mean, congratulations. But just of those three guys, O.J. Howard's the last one I'd want on my team.
0: I just want to say O.J. Howard will not be on the waiver wire in a 2 end league. Yeah, to be fair, I'm out on OJ Howard for 2021,
2: like this season, just because of the injury and how many weapons. But for 2022, you know, I think that that's an interesting player to watch as far as how his offseason goes.
0: I think yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he outproduces Gronk this year. I'll just put it that way. I would be surprised.
1: I would be surprised as well, especially when, you know, Brady wants his boys.
0: I mean, but he had this rapport with O.J. Howard early on in the season last year over. It's
1: not that O.J. Howard's a bad football player. I mean, like, you know, it's just he'll probably be eased back into the season with the injury. And then so it's week five and he's played 20 percent of snaps. And then, you know, week six, he plays 40 percent and has like three targets, one catch for 13 yards. I mean, like, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, Gronk is annoying. But Gronk is going to catch, catch touchdowns. He'll play. Um, you know, maybe if you – I don't know. The thing about having the Bucks pass catchers, even Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Anton, Antonio Brown, is you just got to pick the right week to start them. And you don't want multiple.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I do think there's going to be – I mean, obviously, there's a lot of to defeat in this offense, and it it could quickly turn into a guessing game between all of them. I just think – we were seeing O.J. Howard's breakout before the injury last year, and I have some faith that he can kind of pick and pick up where he left off, despite his his injury. Again, this is a this is something I'm looking at in a two tight end league. Um, I think where he's going, he could provide more value, and I think especially in a in a two tight end dynasty league, I'm targeting Howard and Njoku, but um, I'm taking Howard over. I'm taking him over Jared Cook for sure and probably over Troutman as well. Um, in terms of dynasty. What's your rationale
1: on Troutman? Like,
0: like why? Why would you take him over Adam Troutman? Because my tight end it, model says so. It, yeah, that's why, because Matt's tight end model. <laughs> so Patreon.com um, backslash fantasy scopes. Yeah. Check it out. (laughs) Check out the tight end model, please. Um, You would have known about Jacob Harris
2: on draft day. And now you wouldn't be sitting there wondering, man, I wish he was on my team.
0: Well, I think with Troutman, I mean, he's on my team. Thanks a lot, man. We got you, bro. We haven't seen, we haven't seen it yet. For one, I've seen OJ Howard. uh, Like I said, the start to last year got me excited about him, but also again, going back to the quarterback situation, I mean, if if Sean Payton is playing, you know, college ball and two quarterback system, I don't. I'm not really interested in Troutman for that matter. And I think Troutman is more of like a possession guy. He doesn't have the athleticism of an OJ Howard. Uh, I think. I mean, Howard he doesn't have, have to be. Oh. I
1: mean, like, you know. Travis well, Kelsey doesn't have the athleticism profile of him. I mean, you don't have to have super elite. I honestly I think possession profiles are usually better for tight ends because that's what they're doing. That's what they're designed to do is eat the middle of the field.
0: I mean, Travis Kelsey has a lot better athletic profile than Travis Kelsey runs a four-six. Adam Troutman runs a four-eight. Travis Kelsey scored in the 89th percentile in his speed score, 80th in his burst score. His comp is Rob Gronkowski. I mean, I think I think Kelsey is a lot more athletic. But to your point, yeah, I mean, a tight end doesn't – that elite athleticism isn't a requirement. But for me, I would rather – I still think O.J. Howard presents more upside personally. I agree. Okay all right that's gonna do it for us uh remember head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts check out matt's tight end model uh like we just talked about there's lots of models and uh good stuff go check it out there we will see you next week thank you for being here with us on the fantasy scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else